ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is Welcome to Hard in the Paint with David Grubb. Today's topic is a little personal for me. One of my first television jobs was working at WGGB in Springfield, Mass. And part of our coverage was uh, the University of Massachusetts and their athletic department, which is right up the road and behind some fields uh, up to Amherst. And uh, a few weeks ago, I became aware of something that happened to the women's tennis team there that I personally couldn't believe. The NCAA placed that program on probation and had the records of multiple seasons stripped, including uh, one of the most successful seasons in program history, um, expunged the records of players, and took wins away from a fantastic coach who has since retired for over a grand total of uh, $252. <laughs> so here to discuss that absurdity and uh, what happened and what's being done about it is the woman who is quite frankly, right in the center of all of it, uh, former UMass tennis player and current WTA uh, tennis player, uh, Brittany Collins. Brittany, first, how are you? And thank you for joining me today. No, thank you. I am so excited to be here. I am great. I wish I could say I'm jet lagged. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just tired, but I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I just got my second win. I love talking about this and I'm just so grateful for this uh, chance to be here with you. Okay. So, so walk me through this, a clerical error that isn't your, that you had nothing to do with $252, yeah. $9,000 total between the women's tennis team and the men's basketball team um, just yeah. in, in, incorrectly um, allotted. How does that yeah. end up becoming something that takes away your, basically your entire college career? Yeah. Um, I'll try and keep it uh, to cliff notes here because it's actually quite complicated. Um, but essentially you kind of like nailed it on the head. There was a series of mistaken payments, clerical errors between 2014 and 2017 to the men's basketball team and women's tennis team. And actually um, I received $252 and my best friend and teammate had also see, received $252. So we had made like a lump sum of $504 in the stipend that was called the telecom fee that was meant to be a stipend for a landline phone jack. And it was only meant for athletes who were living on campus. And that year, my junior year, we had moved off campus. And so we by accidentantly received this fee one time. Um, it went unnoticed and because it just kind of was in our lump sum of scholarship check. And we would have, you know, a little bit of different amounts every time just because of what classes we were taking, things like that. And um, basically, UMass went through a self-investigation um, just because I think um, they had caught something small and they wanted to make sure that, you know, they did a whole internal audit and they had found this error among the basketball team and the women's tennis team a few times and they self-reported it and the NCAA actually came to an agreement with them. It was like, thank you so much. You know, this is why we incentivize teams to come forward. We're going to, you know, do a self-imposed fine, $5,000 and one, two years probation. 
because they actually admitted that UMass record kept well 98% of the time and it was like a clear mistake and that there was no like kind of malicious intent here. I don't know what happened. A few days later, the Committee on Infractions came back and said, no, these girls, these men had clear on court advantages. We need to uh, strip everything from that point forward. And the reason why it's a little bit unfair is because while bit. basketball, also, yeah, <laughs> like a little bit, just like a tiny bit, um, there's so many things wrong with this. But one of the big things, because I'm actually glad that you brought up basketball, because it's not something I always talk about, is that it was different years. It was different amounts of money, like you just said. It was a, like it was the same kind of stipend error, but they actually had a little bit of a housing error as well. So to equate the same thing and give out the same penalty for two actually pretty different cases, you know, different numbers was pretty devastating, especially because like you had said, we had a phenomenal record. Our, you know, our senior year, my senior year and our, our A-10 title. So the, the punishment is not the same, even though they say it's the same and it really should be separated the cases. So here we are today in the middle of an appeal process, kind of um, fighting back um, on our end. And I know our wonderful athletic director is, is doing what they can um, from like a legal standpoint. So um, yeah. So that's kind of like where, where we're at. <laughs> How, when you found out about this, you know, because they go through the self-reporting and you must spent more on this investigation over $100,000 just on their own investigation out of their pocket for this $9,000 discrepancy. And you start hearing about this. And then when you get the sanctions, you know, like I said, you're out of school. This is in in the past for you. But all of a sudden this issue comes up again. What was your reaction when those sanctions hit? So I was really confused because I had no idea at any point that this was going on, I was never contacted by the NCAA and, and speaking to Ryan, they understood and them they, they wanted to, they thought it was going to be such a minor thing that it wouldn't have really gone to newspapers, like any of that. So they thought like athletes would have been left out of it to begin with. So I don't blame them for not you know coming to me, but I definitely blame the NCAA for releasing a press release statement. That's how I found out my coach texted me and was like, Hey Britt, check out this headline. And it said like UMass, gave impermissible benefits of $9,100. And I immediately, when I saw that and it was by the NCAA, I was like, oh my God, that's too bad. UMass cheated at something. Like what the heck is super misleading. And then I, there, my coach was like, no, Brett, open the article. Didn't you play on the tennis team for those years? And then I was like, why would he say that? And so I opened it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm literally reading about myself in an investigation. I had no idea couldn't understand what a telecom fee was. Didn't know if I took $9,100 or 252. It was total, like kind of frantic, like skimming over the article. And, and then I just saw vacation of records. And then I just immediately called, um, you know, my coaches and and got in contact with our athletic director, because that was like a really weird way to find out and not being able to understand, like if you did something wrong or didn't, I just think was really tough, especially being three years removed from school. Now you've heard about it. What's the first action you took then? Do you rally or do you, you know, do you call coach? Do you call the athletic director? Do you talk to your teammates? Because I'm sure all of you were blindsided by this. Yeah, a hundred percent we were. And I just like, of course I felt bad for like what I knew was going to come of my records, but I actually felt like just so bad for my teammates because they didn't have, they definitely didn't have anything to do with this and to have their records 
erased was kind of heartbreaking because actually the, the first thought I had was my international friends. My best friend is international. And immediately I thought, oh my God, like what about all the other people about to be affected? The families that stayed up till 2 a.m. to call their daughters because they're in Spain and England and India. And I'm just like, they didn't even think to ask, like ask us to be a part of this investigation or to ask us questions. And it's not just going to impact us. It's going to impact the families that sacrifice. So um, at first I was upset and then I was like, no, I was just like, I'm not, this is not happening. Um, and I wrote an email to Ryan. I said, I'm going to email you a, like a kind of like a written letter for our response. And it's going to be a petition and I want you to see it before I send it out because I don't want to make the school look bad. And um, I was really nervous, but he, he read it and he was like, I love this. It's come from your heart. And I think you should have a say in the story because up until that point, like we were just like kind of like branded as cheaters by the NCAA who is supposed to be protecting us. So it was a frustration turned into like, I'm going to try to do what I can to, um, change this and spread awareness. And it's just totally evolved into something way more than I could have ever thought it would. When they use that language, when the NSA talks about, you know, the ineligibility because you received improper benefits. I remember I'm, I'm old enough to remember this a little bit before your time. I remember when UMass went to the final four and they had that, that appearance stripped because of real improper benefits, you know, things that were, talking about jewelry and money and things like that and had a final four appearance stripped. This is a clerical error. This isn't someone, like you said, they say, even the NTA says there's no malicious intent here and you're branded, as you say, as a cheater. And that's what it'll go down forever as in most people's minds, because whenever you see vacated in a record book and your name is attached to that. Yeah no one's going to go and check and dig deeper. They're just going to assume yeah. and how much damage was done to you has been done to your reputation. Honestly, I can say that at first we were really worried. And I think anyone, like you said, that doesn't hear our story will think like another college sports scandal that goes down in the books. But this is the been, this has been the one point of like huge relief for me is that I actually have not come across a single person that has not been supportive and been like shame on the NCAA. And I think we we kind of like laugh about it. We weren't sure anybody knew who UMass Tennis was even before this happened. And it's actually kind of nice, not in like the way that it came about, but the fact that like, I think our character is shining through like the underdog fighting back that that's exactly who we were when I was on the team. And I think this has been like oddly another chance for us to come together and do something good and, you know, beyond ourselves. And so at first, especially playing professional tennis, I was like, Oh my God, what if I don't get another wild card, like into a tournament again, like things like that. Um, But honestly, like, I can't say that. I think that I just, the support has been tremendous and I've been so grateful for that. Um. One of the bigger things that has bothered me about this is that because UMass self-reported and there's no requirement, there was no requirement for UMass to to go to the NCAA and said, hey, we messed up with some paperwork. Here we go. We want to fix this. Mm -hmm. When you levy this kind of level of punishment, which does not in any way seem to fit the letter of the law, the intent of the law, 
yeah. or even protect the integrity of the comp of competition. Nothing in, in this made you better tennis players. When you yeah. see that, how do you make that make sense? <laughs> you don't. Um, I am so glad you brought this up. Yeah, there's so many things wrong with this. One being that I I decided to dig a little bit deeper and see if I could talk to people within inside the NCAA. And of course, I, I, I won't name names, but I've talked to people on the inside that completely disagree with this. Um, and it's just shown me that some of their methods are not, you know, I asked somebody to ask not a specific committee on infractions, um, from our panel, but I asked somebody on my behalf to ask some questions to members on the committee on infractions. It's a big, I think 28 person panel. I think only five goes to our case. And I said, why did they give out a punishment that they don't have to give out to the students, to the college athletes? Because our athletic director said we will take a heavier fine, which is totally not necessary. Um, and more probation just to protect the athletes, which is the way it should be. And they said the response was along the lines of this is the scariest kind of punishment. This is kind of like the scare tactics that schools will stay in line if we give out a punishment, the, the punishment that is least wanted. So it didn't even come from a place of like ethics or things like that. It came from a place of we're holding this amateurism thing in line and this is going to stop schools from, you know, doing bad things. Um, but like you just said, it doesn't, it just stops them from reporting it. It like, I think the best example or conversation I've had, we were so blessed to have four Massachusetts DAs write a letter to the NCAA on our behalf. And I've been speaking with them. And one of the best things they said is, you know, we're, in, we're enforcers of the law, right? And the NCAA right. is to be the enforcer, but we're here to protect people. As a police person, you're here to protect people you're not like guys that are going out of the way to be, you know, get them like be bad guys. And they said, if you speed three minutes over the, uh, sorry, three miles per hour over the speed limit, you don't hand out jail. You give out a warning because that's in inefficient. And this is essentially what the NCAA did. You know, they didn't give us a slap on the wrist, which they do to so many schools that do huge violations done with intent, you know, which is another slap in the face. And so, it doesn't make sense to answer your question. And it's clearly, I, I don't know. It's just so many problems. It's clearly just something that they're doing to hold up this. Um, you're ineligible if you receive this and you're an amateur and you can't be anything other than that. And, you know, I have no problem really with actual amateurism. I have a problem with the NCAA's version of amateurism. Yes. This, it's seen, you know, I am, I am not a proponent of the NCAA. I have, um, I don't think it serves its mission. Um, it's it's primarily, in my mind, a, a gateway for money, to transfer money from one group to another. And um, to me, to pick on women's tennis, which we consider in the, in the athletics realm a non-revenue sport, mm -hmm. to levy this type of punishment as severe as it is, which, as you say, look, you could talk about basketball programs, football programs. We just had here in Louisiana LSU a report about sexual assault and sexual misconduct that was pushed under the rug for eight years. Yeah. And no one's been fired. There, yeah. you know, LSU had to self-impose a bowl ban in a season which they were going to have a losing record over things that were far worse than this. 
yeah, it's just really. I, I don't like. It, is there a level of? I think is there a level of a school bias because of the size of UMass and that it's it's profile, and then b gender bias and and economic bias. Yeah, there's so many things that we could tie this into. You know, like you know, you don't see them doing this to the big, you know, the Power Five, and so is it sexism? You know, is it like like you just said, like how could you possibly go after a small women's team when small non-revenue sports are getting cut left and right, um, especially during the pandemic. And so this is just like really what upsets me is like, I think on their, like, you know, their headline or on the website, it's like, we are the governing body here for this. They say the student athletes and, you know, we're here to dedicate ourselves to your lifelong success. And it's like, really, because you just cut mine from out underneath me three years removed from school. And like, not only that, like I haven't really heard from you other than like that. So um, there's so many problems with this, you know, they can say it's not a, uh, like you said, it's not a gender issue because they gave the same penalty to, basketball but like i said it's not the same penalty we lost a conference title they had a losing record it's not to say that they should have their seasons wiped either it's just like they didn't take the time to separate the facts and that was one of the questions that i did also ask the committee on infractions or somebody on my behalf um to ask some people within the ncaa and the answer was appalling it was again along the lines of well if we separated every case and did the nitty-gritty essentially we would be too bogged down. And I just was like, Oh my God, that is your only job. Like that is your only job. And if that's the case, then you need to be like handing out that job to somebody else, which like you already should have because you're not impartial. So you should be having impartial people. You know, you can't be the rule maker, the judge and the enforcer all in the same conversation. So I could go on about this for hours just because there's our, I think that's why our story has actually come you know to light with a lot of people is because i think it just demonstrates the like the core problems with today's system with the ncaa that part of it being judge jury executioner in these circumstances and not really having athletes at the table in the policy making for the ncaa not really having anyone who is a legal advocate on behalf of players um student athletes within the ncaa um is it time for a new model? Is it time for schools to start actively separating themselves from a system that is not working to the benefit of student athletes on a number of levels? Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm no expert when it comes to the perfect pathway. And I think um, being so new to this whole NCAA reform world, I think I've learned just so much and I think of how little I knew before then and how badly I want to help educate other people. But yeah, I don't know what the best answer is when it comes to that, but I know there needs to be, you know, desperate change. And that's why I, I really think like to ask schools to separate themselves is a really hard thing to do because it's kind of like asking the athletes, you know, I get a lot of the time, well, why don't the athletes just band together and, and stand up to the NCAA? And it's like, in reality, it's that simple, but it's not because you always have athletes coming in behind them, ready to step up and take a scholarship. And so it's easy just to get rid of them if they do something wrong. And it's not because those people that are ready to take the scholarship are bad people. It's just because they don't know. They don't know what they're walking into. And so I think the same goes for the schools. You might have like one or two brave schools kind of step aside and then I think 
they'll just be replaced by the schools that don't want to do the right thing. And so this is where I think it's totally imperative that Congress steps in because really the only people in our country that can enforce the NCAA to change is, you know, our senators and our representatives. And so I'm super excited about all the legislation that's coming out. I know it's kind of confusing to everyone. It's confusing to myself, but just the fact that the ball is rolling and we're, we're moving towards that where people are saying, okay, really like enough is enough. That's, that's super exciting to me. You didn't ask for this, you know, you didn't ask to have to become an advocate and it's, it's bigger than your tennis team. Now, Um, Mm. like you said, you are in in the focus of, of this reform movement. Mm. Um, One of the interesting things you said is that there's somebody always ready to step in. There is a great level of conditioning that is done. The NCAA makes sure that you believe from a very young age that they will take care of you and that they have your best interest at all. But how do you find more ways to inform young student athletes and their parents in particular? Um, and, and do you plan on being an advocate to, to make sure that people more, more student athletes are aware of the pratfalls and the things that you really are signing up for as a student athlete? Yeah, I am. Um, like you said, I, I didn't really know this was coming, but I honestly couldn't have been like more grateful. I am so happy that I know now. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I want to try and do is to help other people see the other side of things, because I honestly can empathize and understand when somebody says, no, I don't think a college player should be paid because I get it because it looks like really black and white and if you don't understand what's going on behind the scenes, which you possibly couldn't, unless, you know, you were there or you had a kid like that, then, it, then I think like, you know, if you're, if you haven't really dug in, then it's understandable. And I don't get mad at those people because I honestly, I think I was one of those people not long ago. Mm-hmm. And so that's my biggest thing when I'm tweeting to people, like when I'm trying to get, you know, talking to people like yourself is, the more I can do this and the more I can show people, the, the more the athletes coming in will understand. I bet like a lot of the kids in school right now and the athletes coming in have no idea that there's legislation up for grabs. I mean, I can honestly tell you that they don't because I have basically a little sister at Columbia right now, a freshman, and she's like, Britt, what's going on? I have no idea. And I'm like, I don't blame you, but let me try and explain it to her. And I explain it to her. And it's like, she's like, oh my God, I have no idea what you just said. And I said, don't worry. It's just going to be okay. You know? So like, it's fine. It's going to get better. And um, yeah. So I just, that you're just right. Like you go through school and you kind of accept like, this is what it is. And that makes me sad for all the players that are dealing with, you know, power struggle relationships with their coaches, whether it's physical, you know, mental, abusive, like all that stuff, sexually abusive. There's so so much of it. Like you just at LSU, like including myself, you just kind of put your head head down and you're like, all right, this is what it is. And this is your only option. You quit, you go home or you stay. And most people say, obviously I'm not going to give up a, a, a scholarship. I'm an athlete. I'm tough. I'm going to endure whatever I'm going through. I don't want that to be the future for athletes anymore. And so the more I can scream and shout the wonderful like work of all the people who've been doing this for a long time, I'm here to do it. I, I, you know, talking to Sonny Vaccaro, Taylor Branch, 
Patrick Ruby, like all these people that are like really just so educated on this. I'm like, just tell me, just tell me to educate me and I'm going to go say it to everyone. And that's, that's what I can do. And, and I, I just want to keep doing that. And I'm, I'm so happy that this is how it's turned out. How do you divide your time with that? Because this is such important work, but you're building your career as well, which is intense on itself as an individual athlete, having to practice travel tournaments, all those things. How do you manage that? Um, well, it didn't look so good today trying to get tacos <laughs> before talking to you. Today was a clear example of how I mismanaged my schedule. No, I'm kidding. Today um, was fine. But yeah, I, it takes some serious management skills. And like, I think it ironically comes from college. Um, when you're in college, you are practicing so much and then you go above and beyond the the hours that you're you know and whatever the imposes that you are like not supposed to do more than but you know that all the college athletes do like twice yeah. the hours that they actually you know and then you have to find time for studies make sure you're doing good grade and like you still want to have a social life like because if not you'd be like super upset and so um i think that like ironically came from that and so um yeah, I, I, I'm just so passionate about it that I will like, I will make time for this at, you know, at any point. And my job is I'm so lucky to be a professional tennis player and, and travel. And um, luckily this actually came at a, a strange time. Like not that the pandemic, you know, would be a good reason for anything, but it did give me some time at home and it came literally right in the middle of it. And so I was able to be home and really start studying on this. And so I feel like I'm starting to get my bearings a little bit. What do you think the next steps are going to be for you? Um, I know you're pushing your petition. I've signed it and it's grown a lot since in the last couple of months. Uh, it's kind of exploded as far as the number of signatures you've been able to get. Yeah. No matter how many signatures you, you can do, are, are you going to, to continue like lobbying efforts in with Congress um, and, and with state legislatures and things like that to put more pressure for reform um, going forward. Now that I've been introduced into um, this world, I I don't want to stop. It's not just a, a me thing or a team thing. Like I think it's so much bigger. We've already said like the memories are here for us. It's not going anywhere. If the NCAA decides at the end of the day they're not giving it back, they don't. Um, I'm still gonna keep pushing the petition out until you know, our case has been decided. We have a couple, I think a couple more months on this. I'm, I'm so excited because I have been working with Senator Booker, Senator Murphy on their kind of college, you know, Senator Booker has college athlete bill of rights. Senator Murphy will introduce things, I think more in the future. And they did just introduce his own NIL bill of rights and um, kind of more hitting close to home is the Massachusetts NIL bill that's been introduced by Representative Stephen Howitt. Um, I'm so excited about this. They've asked me to testify. I've been speaking to all sorts of representatives from Massachusetts, um, asking them, please sign on to the bill early, you know, kind of see if we can get some momentum for it before, you know, it kind of, I guess, goes to a committee and things like that. I'll be honest, I'm terrible when it comes to politics. Um, I also think that's a blessing because I don't really care who I'm talking to. Um, I don't care if you're Republican or you're Democrat. I think this is like an issue that I think we all need to come together for. And um, I can honestly say this has been so nice to have everybody on the same side. I don't think there's, you know, there's discrepancies, but I don't think there's been 
a single person that's been like, no, I don't think, you know, athletes should have, you know, this right. Or like they should have no rights and things like that. So, um, that's been really nice. And I'm, I'm going to stick with this like long-term. So it, it goes well beyond our petition. I think it's already bigger than our petition and, and stuff like that. And so as many signatures we can get until our case closed, I'm so grateful for. What do you think the, uh, the appeal process is going to come out with because it just seems as if you even if they reduce something i don't think they're going to overturn because this is the nca and they don't like to be embarrassed and they don't like to admit wrongdoing so i just can't see a situation where they return everything if the appeal fails is there enough there there's no more recourse for you after that is there i don't believe so i think the appeal process is kind of the last thing um and I don't know how to feel about it because I kind of say like and this sounds awful and I've said this to other people like I don't think the NCAA knew that this was going to be so much backlash but at the same time like I would like to consider them they must be like smart people so like somebody must have thought that this was going to look like really bad and so either they don't care or somebody just like really wasn't paying attention and so I think that goes the same thing with our um, kind of our appeals process. I'm not like, I'm not optimistic that they're going to overturn it because then that would be a slippery slope for them for amateurism. And then they'd have to explain amateurism rules and, you know, Which what they made that would be a complicated thing. Yeah, exactly. For them to try and do. Um, but then if they don't overturn it, like, it's like kind of stupid if they don't, because they're just going to get a lot more like bad publicity and maybe they just don't care. Maybe it's gone to the point where like, they know how hypocritical this has all been. And, you know, it's not the first time they've been blasted. Um, and honestly, like I would still be thrilled if they wanted to have a conversation with me today. Like I'm, I'm still up for that. Like I would love to talk to them and say like, explain to me this and I'll, you know, and that. And so, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I want to say I'm optimistic, but it's the NCAA. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. What's, what, what's your biggest lesson learned so far from this? What's the thing you, you take away right now? How do you feel about it now? Uh, I'm still like super grateful for my, scholarship and for my time um I don't know if I've ever said this but I was a transfer into right. UMass my sophomore year um from New Mexico State many people don't know this about me actually I think I'm wearing a New Mexico yes, State are. hat right now I like a trader no um I honestly am still grateful for my time at UMass and being a college athlete I think it's really molded me into who I am um, there's always benefits, I think, from being a college athlete. And looking back at my experience, like there is like no better day than the 27 A10, you know, championship title and how it turned out. Like it's on, it was on ESPN. We have the clips ourselves. Like you can see our smiles. You can see us crying. Like it was such an amazing moment. And I just don't think this whole thing could take that away. And so, yes, I think I feel like a little bit still upset with the NCAA. I've seen personal issues within, you know, college sports system. I've seen my friends going through it right now. And those are my motivators to change the NCAA. 
that just doesn't mean that everybody in the NCAA is a bad person. And so um, I'm mindful of that. I'm super grateful for people like Ryan Bamford and the good people within college sports. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. Like I, I, I really, you know, liked my college experience um, for certain things. And of course with any athlete, you'll hear complaints about other things. So, you know, overall, like I wouldn't change anything. Have you gotten contacted by other former athletes or people just to kind of lend you some support, knowing that you're fighting in this uphill battle? Um, how's that been just for you personally uh, in, in people reaching out to you? Yeah, this has been like, um, I kind of have like a starstruck moment. Like every time somebody reaches out to me, I'm, I've honestly said so many times, this is probably not appropriate to say, but I'm a fangirl, like really just love you and everything like I just it happened so many times every time I talk to like Sonny Vaccaro I have like a meltdown just you know on the phone with him and he knows that and it's incredible because I'll be on the phone with him and I'll be like I'm so proud of you and everything you're doing and I'm like stop it do you know who you are and what you've done like it's just for me personally like I just feel like I've met the best people I've had the best conversations being here speaking to you tonight has like lit up my face and it's not because oh I'm so excited that this is happening it's just because like I'm so passionate about this and I feel like there's such a silver lining and I'm just so grateful to have been invited to like a good circle we have so many like upsetting and sad things going on in the world but this is like a group of like I'm learning tight-knit people like oh I know them oh yeah like I'll, I'll get you in contact with them we're friends and it's like thank you so much for everyone like, you know, embracing me and inviting me to, to do this because this is a story where like many people could have definitely not cared about. And it just has shown to be the opposite. And I really have no words for like how grateful I am. What's, what's awesome is that this kind of comes in a time where we are so much more focused on um, changing things, changing the status quo, um, you know, from my perspective as, as an African-American man, and then just seeing, you know, in supporting of, of more women and on my side, the journalistic side, but always having been a participant in, in supporting women's athletics, I like the fact, and I, whether it's with the WNBA or whether it's with what you're doing, that women have consistently been at the forefront of these change movements. And I like the fact that men are getting behind them, not trying to guide those changes, for what the women are doing, allowing you know them to to lead and yeah. not try to take it over and create more impactful and powerful women to yeah. be that next generation of leaders. Whereas 25 years ago, someone like you would have been pushed to the back. I, I'm glad that as much as the struggle, as difficult as it is, yeah. I'm glad that there are people like you to, to be out there and fighting for these things. Um, I'm proud of you. Oh, I don't know you other than this. <laughs> that's so sweet of you. And then, and honestly, that's so kind. And it's like so great to hear everything you've just said, because I think it's not just true, but I think when women hear that, it's like, it's comforting. Um, and it's really great to hear. And, you know, I think of the guys who, have, like you said, gone behind this. I mean, like, I can't think Dave Ridpath from the Drake group enough. Like, oh my God, like anything I tweet, he's retweeting it. I mean, he shared the petition, I think more times than I have. So it's, it's honestly stuff like that, you know, that I just, like, when I talk about the people that I've met, it's like people like this and, and 
yeah, I just, I can't, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm smiling so hard right now just because it's like slightly embarrassed because I'm like, oh man, don't be proud of me until I get something done. But, but at the same time, I just, yeah, it's just been such an honor and it's such a, a good feeling to be like on the right side of things. And like I said, everyone's coming together on this. It's not, it's not really uh, an issue that's really divided down the line. Um, you know, of course, in the little things, sure. But, but overall, the big picture, like we're actually working together on something. And that, that makes me happy because um, that's kind of just like my personality in general. I'm a fixer. I'm, I'm a, I want to be a friend to everyone, like gets me in trouble sometimes, but that's, <laughs> that's just kind of how I am. So um, it just makes me really happy. The last thing I want to ask you is, we are seeing because of the pandemic, this, this real um, budget cutting by um, athletic programs and women's sports are particularly getting hit hard. Um, and I, I've noticed this around the country. How do we continue to advocate for women's sports without it being something that people see as charitable? Because it's, it's competition. And, and that's the forefront of this is that these are your, your competitors. But I think too often the conversation is framed as if women's athletics are vegetables and we have to have them rather than we should be supporting them because look, these are great athletes. Yeah. That's a really great question actually. And I don't think that's one that I've gotten so far. Um, so I appreciate that. So I think you're right. Like I think too often, and I think it has been changing, but I think too often we see like we need to support women so they don't like disappear, which is like, you know what? I, I totally get it. Thank you. But you're right. Like we need more, like we should want to support women because we want to watch their games and we want. And so that, that I obviously is like a little bit of a complicated answer when it comes to like, you know, media and broadcasting and things like that. But I think the things that people can do and it starts with women. Like I am so guilty of it myself. I attended way more men's um, sports in college than I did women's. And I think it like really can just start with women themselves and men by going to the games, like have better crowd turnout, like, you know, do the research, you know, don't just share a women's athlete story because it's like newsworthy, like, you know, whether it's like, Oh, so-and-so is, recovering half, you know, after having a baby, which is a remarkable thing, but share those same stories when they, when they do something would, that would be just as equal as a man. Like they had a good week in sports or things like that. Like I would say, do the research, do you know, educate yourself, you know, find a favorite player. That's a female athlete. Like it's all those little things I think can boost women's sports. And like, I think a lot of people would be really enlightened because I think women's sports is, is different than men's in a lot of different regards, but I think it can be appreciated. Um, and those, I think people would be kind of surprised. You know, I, I personally, it's so weird. I hate wa watching men's tennis. I only like watching. It's very tennis. dull. Men's tennis yeah. is incredibly dull. It's good. all serve. <laughs> it's all serve. Yeah. Yeah. So I always say like, I, I think I actually like watching women's way more because it's, I feel like it's so much more unpredictable. And, um, so I think it's just like things like that. And, um, I think it's changing. I just, I think we need to do more work kind of like you said. I mean, it, to me, at the end of the day, it's competition. If you're competing for something, it shines through. If you're really fighting for something, it shines yeah. through. And that's what you're doing with this. And that's mm -hmm. what you're doing with this. And like, and I know you, you, you said about, you know, you haven't done something. There hasn't been an outcome um, yet. But, you know, in the history of this country, there's a lot of folks who had to stand up and didn't get the result. But they 
their ripple effect. And I think you're gonna have a ripple effect whether or not this particular issue succeeds. Um, I think that you've started a, a, a great um, thing and um, I'm going to be watching it. And I hope that, I hope the best for you in this one instance, but I hope the bigger changes happen ultimately for college athletes and that you, you get what you deserve out of your educational athletic experience. Thank you so much. Um, I've had so much fun being here and I just like can't, it's so nice to speak to someone that, you know, understands and asks the right questions. And so I can't thank you enough and, and your words just are way too kind. And <laughs> I hope I can also, you know, um, just have like a ripple effect for, for myself, for other athletes and, and just kind of trend this in a positive direction. It's your time to do something right, you know, and, and, and I, I'm sure your whole life, your parents told you when it's time to do something right, do something right. And that's, that's what you're doing. And I, uh, we'll, we'll all be better for it. Please tell folks how they can find the petition and, um, and follow you on social media or however they can support what you're trying to do. Yeah, there's a couple of different things that people can do. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. I think both of them are at Britt Collins 22. I spell my last name differently with an E. Um, so beware of that. But my links are always on my social media pages. But if you don't have social media, it's change.org slash UM tennis petition. So it's easy to remember. And then if you really want to get involved, I'm also um, doing kind of a little bit of charity work right now where um, I'm selling t-shirts and sweatshirts and crew necks with ex-NBA player and UMass Luke Bonner. Um, we are donating the proceeds from free Massachusetts tennis gear to spread awareness about our issue, um, the NCAA issue in general, and all the money is going towards the college athlete um, advocacy initiative, which is led by Tim Nevius. And he is an ex NCAA investigator who turned pro athlete lawyer. And so the money goes to supporting athletes that need legal help, um, whether it's physical or mental sexual abuse that they've gone through. And it goes for advocating for all these legislations that we talked about tonight. So when you buy that, the money goes towards that. It's a really good cause. I think that link is also on my social media. It's power. It's PWR dot fwd slash brit collins um so that's it that's kind of what i'm where i'm at brit thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it and i think this is um enlightening and um i just i wanted to make sure that i gave you a, a platform for anybody who hadn't heard um this story because i i was just blown away when i read the details of it and and like i said having been around UMass, I, there's always going to be a place in my heart for that Amherst community because it is, that's a fantastic community and the support that they give the university um, is so great. Um, and I loved it up there. Um, but this is, this is just something tremendous. And I just, again, appreciate your time. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so for um, Brittany Collins. I am David Grubb, and this has been another edition of Hard to Paint. And I will be back with you again tomorrow for the Dome Patrol with Ross Jackson. All right, until the next time. <laughs>